This morning, we're going to go ahead and jump right into the message, and we're going to continue talking about wells and water, and because that's the thing we've been on, because we've all understood that water is, it's vital to life. Like, we can, we can do a lot of things, like, you know, look, water, if we don't have water, we can last about three days is what we've discovered. About all. At, at sea, you can last about, here we are on the coast, just in case somebody goes out on a boat and you get far offshore, you get worried. You can last about six days is what they say, depending, unless it rains, and then you can collect water. We, I read a story when I was preparing all this. I read a story of a man who lived 29 days, but it was off till he got rescued by a cruise ship out in the middle of the ocean, and uh, just collecting rainwater and holding it and drinking drops. Not, not you know, I'm thirsty, I'm thirsty. He did that. So water is vital and essential to us physically. But we're wanting to do more than just look at the physical aspects of water. We want to look at the spiritual aspect as well. Because you are made up of spirit, soul, and body. And so if all we focus on is the physical aspect of water, then we're missing out on an opportunity to be refreshed in a way that will not happen any other way. Think of it this way. Any of you ever been out on a hot, sunny day? I mean, it's blistering. We're in Southeast Georgia. Let's go, let's take a trip back to the end of June, the beginning of July. <laughs> See, all of y'all going, let's don't. <laughs> right now feels real good, Mark. Let's don't do that. But I want to go there for just a moment. The only reason I want to go there is because let's think you're there. The sun's beating down, not a cloud in the sky. I mean, humidity and mugginess, it's up to about 120, you know, on the light side. <laughs> It feels like, and then someone brings a cool, cold, sparkling, the, the chill dripping down the sides of the bottle, and you're sitting there, and you do it, and they give it to you, and you take it, and you go, ah. see, I just made y'all thirsty. You're like, that ain't even fair. By the way, we do have water bottles out there. If you want one, they're free. Take one. God bless you. But think about it. When you get that, think about how it nourishes you and how refreshed. The, the heat goes away for just a moment. You actually take this in and you're like, why? That just feels so incredible going down. Now let's add a cloud comes over. A breeze starts to blow and you've got your cold water. It's still, the cloud comes, gives you a little shade. This breeze comes and blows and you take another sip. Is it getting better yet? <laughs> Y'all getting more thirsty. Well, listen, this is what... The Spirit of God does on the inside. It's like water on the inside, and he refreshes us. That's why we've been doing this, and we've been on this journey. And uh, how many enjoyed last week, Pastor Mark Anthony breaking out resilience? I had to watch it because uh, I was out in children's church, and while he was calling forth, and y'all were making, making statements, and you were, you know, you were, you were, you are declaring things over your household and over your life. I was declaring things over little small ones like, hey, whoa, 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 uh-uh, uh-uh, sit down, sit down. No, no, Nick, come here, look, look, look at Pastor Mark. <laughs> I was declaring other things. It was a great time. But in that, the whole thing of making declarations and having resilience over accusations and hostility. And so 
all of us in this room, every one of us go through things on a regular basis and things go through us. We have situations where we have challenges individually and personally and then also as a family, as a faith family, whether it's a workplace, whether whatever, wherever, whether it's your neighbor next door, your neighborhood, we all go through things and we need to stay refreshed and hydrated physically and spiritually. And so we've been looking at this thing of wells and, and we've, we've, the one we've, scripture we've used in John 4, Jesus thought it was so important to look at wells. In John 4, he's talking to a Samaritan woman, which I have to say a Samaritan woman because that's what it was like back then. Even today, Samaria, the Jews and the Samaritan, they're having a struggle. <laughs> he, he, he's feeling the spirit. Y'all let it go. He, he's ready. <laughs> my man Sam. That's my boy. Um, he wants to come see me. That's what it is. That's all it is. That's, I'm going I'm to stick with that. Uh, anyhow, so he's waiting. <laughs> so think about it this way, that when, when, when we're going through things and when we have this stuff that's happening, when Jesus is at this well, he sees this Samaritan woman. And in that day, just like today, people have attitudes toward people for no reason. Seemingly, they just develop a tude toward somebody. Have you ever been around and people say, I just don't like that person. <laughs> Do you know them? No, I just don't like them. Why? I don't know. I just don't like them. It's my prerogative. I can do that. I'm like, well, it is, but you need to know why don't you? And so in that day, it was a very real thing that Samaritans and Jews, mm -mm, we don't talk. What are you even doing at this well? And so she questions Jesus like, hey, why are you here? And why are you talking to me? You are, you, I'm a Samaritan. We don't, we don't converse. And Jesus, I love what Jesus did. Jesus broke down walls. He didn't build them. And if he couldn't break them, guess what he'd do? He'd walk through them. And so he'll go through a wall. He'll do whatever he has to to get connected with people. So as they're sitting there, Jesus asks the woman for a drink. And of course, um, she's, she's like, that's where she gives him the excuse. Why are you talking to me? And then Jesus makes a statement. If you ask me, like if you drink, if you ask me, I'll give you living water. And then she looks at him obviously and says, What? She goes, you don't even have a bucket or a rope. Now, this is back in the day, 2,000 years ago, where they didn't go up and turn a faucet on. I know it's hard for us to think like, oh, you mean I got to throw a bucket down and then I got to pull this thing up and I got to pour it. We don't understand that a lot in today's culture, but in that day it was very real. And then Jesus made this statement. In, in chapter John 4, 13 and 14, Jesus answered and said, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. Like, I just drank two sips. You know what? I could down the bottle. I'm not gonna do that for your sake. But anyhow, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst again. Well, in one translation said again, Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. In other words, it's only going to get better and better. It's going to get stronger and stronger. It's going to be a continual flow, a continual flow of his spirit operating and bringing nourishment where we need it most on the inside. So in looking at water and wells, we've been looking at the first place in scripture where they're mentioned. 
because it's important. Like I said, in today's culture, we get upset when we turn the faucet and thing. By the way, let me ask just with a show of hands, who besides me is on well water in this county somewhere? Who's on well water? With show of Woo, look at y'all. Uh-huh. You got to keep that pump running. You know, look, if your pressure switch goes out because of an ant gets in there or because of a bug gets in there and it shorts it out. And you go to turn it on, you go, I don't got any water. I remember when I first did that and I went, oh, this is how you fix a pressure switch. How many know you learn real quick when you don't have water and you got small kids? You go, I, I got to have some water. And so... So with that, just wanted to check. In this day, when we were looking at this, it was vital. It was crucial to have a well that you could get nourishment from. And it wasn't just the nourishment. With a well, you had prestige, you had power, you had community. You had people that their very lives relied on it. And in the first mention of a well in Scripture, it's found in Genesis chapter 16. Water and water's mentioned in Genesis 2, and it keeps on all through. But in Genesis 16, it's mentioned, and that was the first well we looked at. Um, and it was, it was literally given to, it, it was something, a young girl, a slave girl from Egypt was... Um, I'd, I'd have to say contracted by her, her two owners, slave owners. They were there, Abraham and Sarah. And their young Egyptian slave owner, Hagar, Abraham was promised a child. And, and Sarah was getting up in age and he said, you're just going to have to do it this way, Hagar. So she became, in essence, a surrogate mom in, in a sense that, hey, you have a child for us. And she did. And we looked at that. I'm not going to go into great detail on that, but because she got pregnant and then Sarah began to get mad because, oh, look at her. She began to say, "Woo, you know, ladies, anybody ever see, oh, you got that glow. Come on now. You got that. Oh, you can tell when they get pregnant, like, oh, look. And they, it's like, oh, yeah. And so they feel it and the baby's growing in you and you get all excited. My wife had two of them. Sometimes it was glow and then sometimes it's, oh, no. And so you got to be careful. You got to know, you. hey, let me help support you here. Let me give you some fresh water, whatever it takes. Um, but, but so she began to mistreat her and she runs away. Like she's leaving. I'm done. I'm not going to put up with this abuse. And in that moment where she's an outsider, like she's in the story of the Jewish people, but she's an outsider and ends up as she runs away into the desert, God sees her. And he reaches out to her and he provides a well for her, a water, a spring springs up. And what's important to know about that, that's the first well, and it's this. God loves people sometimes that we don't like. <laughs> and God will provide for them sometimes in ways you don't even know about. So here it is, she's run away, and then again a little later, in 20 where she actually takes her son, she's sent away that her son, Ishmael, she goes, she has to put him away because she's like, put him under a bush. She didn't want him to watch him die. God provided in both places water that she never dug for. She never even asked for water in the first time in Genesis 16. And as a result, God still 
favored her and God saw her and said, you ain't gonna make it, girl, if you ain't got some water. And so he gave her water, which tells us today that God still gives water away. Like he's not a water miser. Anybody ever had places where you said, nope, you're only allowed to use so much water? In Florida, my mom lives there and she's got a sprinkler system and she is told what days she can water her lawn. Now my mom, who is 83, if you're watching, mom, love you. She loves her lawn. Like she wanted it green and lush. And, you know, I, a few years back, I'm like, we're going to do this. I got a contractor come out. We put nice zoysia out and, and put a sprinkler system in there. And then they tell her, no, you can only do it two days a week. And I said, mom, if it needs it, I'm not telling you to break the rules. But if you need to give it a little extra, don't let that die. That was a little expensive. Go ahead and put a little water on it. It was to help her and, and help that. So in what we're doing, what we're looking at, this thing of water and, and thing, that was just a, a use to, to make things look nice. But in Genesis 26, where God had provided, oh, let me, let me get back up just a minute. In that water that it net, they didn't ask for, she didn't, I think it says this to us today, that God gives it to us just as we are. And we call this justification. So a lot of people in the church and out in the world, they think, we have to do, I've thought it for many years, I've got to do something in order to get God to like me. Like if I work real hard, if I do enough good deeds, if I have, that God's going to do something for me and I'll be okay and he'll reward me just simply based on my good deeds. And here we see this young lady, Hagar, who's running away mad angry and then next time sent away and God said, I see you. You're going to need help, and I'm going to go ahead and help you, even in the midst of what you got going on. And he gives her this water, and we call that justification. God gives water if we'll just simply just be ready. Just say, hey, look for it. She had to look up and see. Matter of fact, in Scripture, it says she looked and saw that. So in the Scriptures we're looking at, going further into wells in Genesis 26, 16 through 22, this is the passage we've been looking at, wells in the Old Testament and water that still has reference for us today that we can learn from. And beginning in verse 16, if you've got your Bibles, you can open them there or you can watch on the screens. It says, then Abimelech said to Isaac, move away from us. Abimelech was the king in, in, the, in the region where he was. And it said, move away from us. You become too powerful for us. In other words, he keeps being blessed and he's like, we don't like that. Take off. So Isaac moved from there and encamped in the valley of Gerar where he settled. Isaac reopened the wells that had been dug in the time of his father, Abraham, which the Philistines had stopped up after Abraham died. And he gave them the same names his father gave them. Now let me give you just a quick backstory. Abraham was a sojourner in the land. Abraham lived off of two things, covenants and kingdoms. So you, you advance yourself through covenants with other people around you and kingdoms. So if you had power, you're like, I want to be friends with you. Uh, don't come get us. And so they recognize as people increase, they'd like, oh, God's with them. And so Abraham had made a covenant with Abimelech and what ended up happening was this, that, that um, he had gotten powerful and Abimelech said, hey, make a covenant with us that you're not gonna do, you're powerful. And when Abraham died, the covenant died. And so the Philistines said, oh good, he's gone. Now we're just gonna cover up all his wells, they thought. 
Now, what's amazing to me is that they didn't understand that even right now, sitting where you are, standing where you are, there is still water right underneath us. We can get water right now if we drill down deep enough. We can get it. So they thought, we're just going to throw dirt in it and we're going to mess it up and they will not be able to use these wells. They didn't realize that, no, you can still get water. You're just going to have to work for it. And so as it moves on, see, as that just as his father had to deal with it, he's having to deal with it. And in verse 19, it says, Isaac's servants dug in the valley and discovered a well of fresh water there. But the herders of Gerar quarreled with those of Isaac's and said, the water is hard. So he named the well Essek. Uh, because they disputed, and we called that the well of contention. We looked at that a few weeks ago. And we do have to contend. Isaac didn't, con- quote, contend with the, with, um, with the people of Gerar, but he did as far as all of us contend. And we looked at that of what it means to contend and have contention in our life that we do have to have a thing that we do put towards. Like he contended first for the water to get out, and then he went over with his family for his faith and, and did that. Then he dug another well, but they quarreled over that one also, and he named it Sitna. That was last week, and that is the well of accusation or hostility, and uh, did a great job last week of resilience in those moments. And then he moved on from there and dug another well, and no one quarreled over it. He named it Rehoboth, saying, now the Lord has given us room and we will flourish in the land. So if we look at all the wells where we've been, the first well was Beer Laharoy. And I always laugh when I see beer because everybody in Southeast Georgia is like, I like that well. I can see. <laughs> this is how you get people to Jesus say, hey, let me come tell you about a well. It's called beer. And they're like, okay, where's that out? I said, well, actually, it's a Hebrew name for well. That's all it means. And so um, it doesn't mean keg, by the way. It just means a well. And so Beer Laharoy is the well of God sees you, first and foremost. And when he sees you, he's not looking at you with condemnation. He's not looking at you with accusation. He's not looking at you with hostility. He's not mad at you. He is looking at you with love, wanting to draw you in. The second well that we just read about, Beresek, it's called the well of contention or argumentative. Now, I know nobody here sips from that well. We would call it... Um, Sipping from, uh, from, the, from the, the well of the hater, you know. Sipping, sipping some of that haterade is what we call it. That Like, hold it. Don't be sipping on that. Don't allow that to be a part of your well. Don't drink that. Today, we're taking this step um, of the, the, well of, uh, the well of Sitna. The next one, which was last week, the well of Sitna, is the well of accusation or hostility. Today, we get to, we're, we're turning the page and we're actually actually making a turn as far as wells goes because this has powerful implications for us as believers. And that is this, the well of open spaces. The well of open spaces or room to flourish. And that's what God wants for us. Matter of fact, in Genesis, reading that verse 26, 22 in the NLT, it says this, abandoning that when Isaac moved on and dug another well, this time there was no dispute over it. So Isaac named the place Rehoboth, which means open space. For he said, at last the Lord has created enough space for us to prosper in this land. 
Has anybody here besides me ever felt shut down, dismissed, <laughs> overlooked, felt like, hey, I don't matter, felt like, hey, I'm never going to get there. I keep messing up. I keep mixing up. I, keep, I just can't get it right. Anybody besides me ever felt that and that, hey, I'm just never going to be able to, to experience all that God has for me and do all that God wants me to do? It's no different. So this has happened all through history. We see in this, in the beginning in Genesis, where, where they experienced this. And it's funny because in, in Abraham's generation, Isaac had to deal with the same thing. I know for some of us, and, and all the parents in the house can say amen to this, we want our children to do better than we did. Amen? Anybody parent can say amen. We want our parents, we generally do. Now I know all the youth in the house like, eh, I don't know about, trust me, our hearts, what we go through to make that happen, it can be a little difficult, but our heart is to see them do better, but it doesn't negate them from going through some of the same stuff that we go through. Matter of fact, I think of what we're doing today and what, what we're seeing in the Middle East now, and it's, it's from the very beginning, like the first two brothers in history, Cain and Abel. The, the, there's nobody there. There's not well. They're, they're taken care of. They're in, they're in lavish. This is okay. They're, they're done well. And, and in their world, in their paradigm, Cain gets jealous of Abel. For what? Because he, his sacrifices were better to the Lord. Cain, who was a farmer, and Abel um, was, a, was a gardener, he got upset. Because Cain gave the best, I mean, Abel gave the best. And then Cain was given just, ah, here, this is a little spot of limb here. You can take that one. And he got jealous of his brother. And instead of learning and growing from him, he eliminated him. He got a rock and killed his brother. That happened first thing. Today, we're not using rocks. Now we use rockets. It's still the same thing that was happening back then. And if we're not careful, what happens is instead of allowing God to bring us into spacious places, we get locked in. We get locked down by our own understanding. And so today, I want us to have room to breathe. I want us to have spaces to grow. I want to I take us on a journey for just a little bit to see what it's like to see what real living looks like. Real loving looks like. Like, I want you to get out of this mentality and, and mindset that you'll never have enough. Last night, I got a call. I get them all the time, but I got a call from a young man I've worked with for years who's battling addiction. And by the way, just so you know, so nobody feels any way condemned, we all deal with addiction in some form or fashion, right? Some of it, it's not as harmful, but all of us have something that we, that we have this earning or this thing for this, this, that comes at us. But this young man happens to be things that are very harmful, drugs that, will, that, that, that affect his mind and affect his way of life. And as I did, as I was talking to him, and he's crying, he said, I'm never, and he's done well for a long time. He is really, he said, I thought I was over it. I thought I had licked it. And then I got tempted in one little thing. And it had been two days. And he said, what am I going to do? I said, you got to drink from the well. You're drinking from the wrong well. And as I began to talk to him and encourage him, I began to say, hey, man, you, you, 
you're so locked in right now that you've messed up that you got to look up. Like, yeah, you blew it, but if you stay down, you're going to keep blowing. If you don't begin to look back up and say, look, you can do this. God's got you. You've, you've, proven, what, you've proven what he can do in you and through you. And as a result, I'm happy to say that he called a friend who went and stayed the night with him last night. This morning he woke up. He said, I'm going to church. I said, praise God. Go to church. That's a great place to find Jesus. What I'm saying to us is that God doesn't want us to be locked down and locked in to our own way of thinking, to our own life. We want to be exposed to his life, to his love, to his light. And the only way that happens if we drink from his water. That's the only way. Like, I can't do it on myself. I can't make it happen. What I can do is, is I can simply allow him to live his life in me. And this morning, I want to look at just three simple spaces that God wants us to receive where he wants us to be in this space. And the first one that trumps all of them is this. He wants us to live in this space to receive his love. Now, that can be a tough one because everyone in this room knows reasons why you shouldn't be loved. Everyone has excuses. Everyone has done things. Everyone that if we were to play them on the screen up here, you would be running for them to shut it up. You would be breaking that out because it's something that we would never want seen. It's things that happen. And so if we're not careful, what happens is we think somehow we've eliminated ourselves from God's love. And that's the enemy of our soul that wants us to think that. He wants us to get locked in, that God's through with you. There's no hope for you. There's no help for you. God doesn't love you. And I'm here to tell you, I don't care where you've been. I don't care what you've done. I don't care what's happened to you. God's love is still the number one thing that will transform a life, period. Matter of fact, Romans 5, 8 says it best, but God demonstrates his own love for us. His own love, not mine. His own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died. What that means for us is this. So it wasn't me reading my Bible. It wasn't me worshiping. It wasn't me praying. All those things are great. But it wasn't any of that the reason Jesus came. The reason he came was because we were mixed up and messed up. That's the number one reason. Matter of fact, one of the most um, well uh, Learned verse in the Bible, John 3, 16. Can y'all quote that? For God so the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. You know what that looks like when we say world? It, it's not simply this ball of dirt that we're, we're traveling around on. And it's not even the systems of the world. Literally, the love, the world, it talks about there, that word world, is those who are far away from him. For God so loved those of us, all of us were far away from him at one point. He loves those who are far away from him that he gave his only son so that those who are far away, they don't have to stay that way. They could come on in just as they are. Anybody remember a game? I know now we do everything on devices. Anybody remember a game called hide and seek? <laughs> Y'all remember that one? And you always waited till you got dark because <laughs> that's the safest time to run, isn't it? <laughs> Let's run in the dark where there's stuff you can run into. That's a real good one. <laughs> We used to play it with, man, I had three brothers and three sisters and cousins. We'd go out to this farmland and, man, they had these little roots and stuff from trees. You'd be running like, whoop, 
But anyhow, anybody remember? So you'd go hide, and one person would have to go out and try to find everybody. Instead of the, you know, leaving the 99 to find the one, it's the one has to go find the 99. Anyhow, so as you go out, you know you're supposed to go look. And what happens when you can't find that one? There's a phrase you would use, ollie ollie income free. <laughs> In other words, you got tired of looking, you can't find them. You said, hey, just come on, come as you are, just come on in, I, I, you're good. God says, hey, come on in just as you are. You don't have to hide. Just come on in just as you are. Matter of fact, 1 John 4, 9 and 10 says this. God showed how much he loved us by sending his only, one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love, not that, not that we love God, but that his son Jesus he sent, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Look, we can never get tired of that message. We can never get away from that message. It's the one we cling to that we hold to. It's the one that we will never ever, it's the one that resonates through all eternity that, hey, his love is what draws, us, draws him to us and draws us to him. Another space that I want us to, to lean into this morning where we get open and we get to experience and first we get to experience his love. And I want you to know, if you've never experienced unconditional love, like I maintain, and this is just me, I maintain that people love, many times when they say I love you, they, know what they, they love what they know about you. Like, I love you because I know you and, and you do these things and you do, and I love you because I know these things. True love, real agape love, unconditional love says, I know everything. Like, I see it all, every thought, every deed, every action, and I love you. And nothing's gonna change that. When you experience and understand that, there's no demon in hell that can try to can snatch you away from the love of God that can in any way influence you in a way to say, no, I'm going this way. God, he is for me. He's not against me. The second space that I want us to do, lean into, that I want you to experience is light. So I want you the space to receive his light. So receiving his love is vital. Receiving his light is just as vital. Because how many of you know, I don't know if you're like me, I can get dark in my thinking sometimes. Especially when I'm watching a game that uh, <laughs> that's not going my way. <laughs> I can get dark in my thinking like, mm, you know, like just get them. <laughs> I, can, I can think these thoughts like how dare them, why are they? It's like they become this. And then I have to look at them like they're, they're 18 to 24 year olds. <laughs> Let's be real. Like, like yesterday, being honest, can I confess my faults to y'all? <laughs> Like, I got to watch a little bit of a game for the first time, and I'm, I'm watching this thing, and I'm like, what are you doing? What are you doing? And you know what I had to do? I had to turn it off. I'm like, this, I am drinking from the wrong fountain right now. I am angry. I'm like, this is not good water that I'm drinking right now. I'm sitting there like, I'm thinking thoughts towards Carolina fans and, and chicken. Like, I'm going to go get some chicken right now, and I'm going to eat it like, ah, 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 ah. There, take that game. No, I'm like, 
No, it's real where you get, where things don't go your way and things don't happen. And so you begin to think we can get dark in our thinking and our understanding if we're not careful. And this is where we got to let the light in. Matter of fact, John uh, chapter one, verses three through four, John one, uh, one, two, and, uh, one and two says, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God, so was with thee in the beginning. Everything was created by him and for him. But John one, three and four says this, in him was life. Uh, excuse me, four and five, yep, yep, that's still. In him was life, and the life was the light of all mankind. He's still the light. I love what it goes on to say in verse five. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. So y'all, let me give y'all some hope. We all know when and deem. <laughs> so there is never a time where darkness is over, gonna over, overcome the light. There's never a time where somehow all of us know that you can't turn up darkness. The only thing you can do is turn down light. Like if I wanted to, to, this room to get darker, all I have to do is turn down lights. So this is a matter of where as I stay connected, as I keep drinking from the water, from the fountain of life, Jesus himself, then this light continues to manifest in me and it continues to manifest through me. John 8, 12 says this, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. This is what God has for us. He wants us to have this light and walk in this light and this light to walk in us. Matter of fact, 1 John verses 1, 5 through 7 says this. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out, our, live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus his son purifies us from all sin. So we have a choice. So first of all, we receive Christ and then we have this, this walk that we, that's called justification. Then we have this walk called sanctification where we do have choices, where we do dig, where we get to choose what we drink from, what wells we're gonna take in. So we wanna take in and live in this space of love, of life. And then the third one is simply this, his life. So Jesus wants us to experience true life and that is his life. So his life living in me like not my, not me trying to work towards something, but me receiving something and walking out from that place. And that is the most important. Matter of fact, I love John 1, 12 and 13. It says, yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children not born of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. We get to have life that we didn't earn or deserve. We get to have this. Matter of fact, I love what Ephesians 2, 8, 9 in the NLT, it says it this way. God saved you, God saved me by his grace. When you believed, when you said, Lord, I trust you in his name. He gave the right to become, excuse me, um, he gave grace to believe and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. 
Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it, for we are God's, check this out, his masterpiece. Have you ever stopped to think? I mean, granted, we all have stuff we want to change, that we want to do better, we want to get better, but have you ever saw yourself as a masterpiece? I'm looking at masterpieces all over the place. And that's not something to puff us up. That's a reality. We are his masterpiece created. What? Create, he has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we do the good things he planned for us long ago. Y'all, man, when we get into that open space and we begin to say, I've got room to breathe and I got, I'm seeing things clear. I'm, I'm experiencing love like I've never known. It gives me the ability to share it with people. You can't give what you don't have. When I, share, when I receive that unconditional love, I give unconditional love. When I receive the light in my, the light and I'm understanding and my mind is set on things above and not things below, not just simply here on this earth, and I begin to share light, I get to receive it and I get to walk in it, I get to share light. And then when I get to receive his life, I get, to, I get a life. I love what Peter said, 2 Peter 1, 3 and 4, it says, his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. So I love to put it this way. Our goodness will never get us anything from God. All it will do is get us self-focused and think somehow we're better. He goes on this where he says, hey, is, is everything we need for a godly life through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness through these, he has given us, through his glory and goodness, he has given us his very great and precious promise so that through them you may participate. Everybody say participate. participate. Not spectate. We get to participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. So as we look at this, I want to I bring this to a close. And we look at this water that we've been looking at and talking about nourishing our souls. I want to ask you some questions. I'm going to ask the worship team. They're heading up here right now. Because I want to ask you just a few questions. Where, what fountains are you drinking from? What, what is it that, that is, is, is most prevalent in your life? And the way you look at, the way you can tell um, it's real simple. Jesus said a, a good tree can't bear bad fruit. We looked at it a couple weeks ago, and a good tree can't bear bad fruit. Look at the fruit of your life right now. What are you experiencing? And you can see, hold it, whatever I'm experiencing, that's what I'm drinking. That's what's coming out. That's what's going to happen. Uh, there's a word we use when people are inebriated and they're drinking things that affect their senses. We call it that uh, driving under the influence or inebriated. Inebriate is not a bad word, as long as you're drinking the right thing. <laughs> so when the disciples, when the Holy Spirit was poured out, they were accused of being inebriated. In Acts 2, it says, man, these people are acting like drunk people. But not in the sense of falling down, in the sense of they had authority. They were operating in love. They were operating in right. They were life and, and light, and they were sharing in such a way that people just couldn't help but listen because they were inebriated with the Holy Spirit and infilled. And he's like, what, what is it that, 
What is it that you're seeing in your life right now? I do this on a regular basis. We take inventory. And I have to ask myself, have I been demonstrating love to those around me? Have I been the one looking at them and begin to make assessments just by looking? I don't like them. <laughs> Why? I don't know. I just don't like them. And even do anything. I don't care. Or maybe they did do something. Maybe you got just cause. And you say, man, Jesus said pray for those who spitefully use you. He said, what good is it? You just love the people that love you. Even the Pharisees, even the tax collectors do that. So have you, have you what, what, what's your love light looking like? What's your, what's your light? What have you been seeing? What have you been experiencing? I'm not talking about just your physical eyes. I hesitate to share the story, but I, I, I know I've gone over a little bit. I just, last night, so I've been studying this. I've been going over. Last night, I haven't had a nightmare in forever. <laughs> Like, I go to sleep and I sleep. Man, I, just, I don't sleep a lot, but when I sleep, it's just, whoa. <laughs> like, bye-bye. <laughs> I, I got to sleep, and I, I don't go to sleep early. But I, so I'm sitting there for the first time at 3 o'clock in the morning. Like, I have this dream, and there's this dragon <laughs> that is in this tree out in my front yard. And he's wrapped around it. And my grandkids, for some reason, I've got a shed in my backyard. They're playing in my shed. <laughs> and I'm sitting here thinking, I look out, and I'm like, oh, man. It's a, and it's not just a small, it's a massive, one of these massive dragons sitting in there. And I'm like, oh, man. Like, whoa, that's a big dragon. <laughs> and then I see my grandkids, and they're just playing, having fun. And I'm thinking, oh, no, he's, he's going for them, <laughs> y'all true story. I'm sitting here, my heart's beating. I'm like, I wake up with this and it's so real. I can't go right back to sleep because I'm like, you going after my grandkids? Watch out. You messed. This, this was sitting right there on my little thing where I was studying and praying in the living room right there, a little TV tray thing. I grab it. It was sitting there when I was, I grabbed it and I went out after it. And as they're sitting there and they, I opened the shed the door opens, the dragon sticks his face right in the shed. And he's coming at me and I take this thing and this is the sword of the spirit. I kid you not. I take it and I bop him on the nose. Bam! Just as hard as I could. <laughs> the nightmare went away and I could woke up. And before, my heart's beating. I go, oh, there's a dragon and there's grandkids. This is what saved my life. This is what woke me up and I didn't sit there and have to. I went right back to sleep, y'all. At least for another hour and a half. And so... <laughs> We got to ask ourselves, what are we drinking from? Are we, are we just watching the news? Are we simply watching Netflix? Are we just online on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and everything else, TikTok? Are we just being entertained? Drinking from those wells? Are we saying, Lord, when's the last time you just had some worship time alone where you just shut everything off and you just, man, Jesus, this morning, I'm going to ask them to play this song that um, talks about this, this, this water, like, like rain down on us, 
Like I want, I don't want you, I don't want to just talk about water. I want you to experience water. I want you to experience life-giving, refreshing, soul-stirring, heart-changing, life-refreshing water that gets deep so that you get transformed and then the people around you get transformed. That's what water's all about, not just me, it's community. And so I'm gonna ask you to stand up with me at this time. And I am gonna make the altars open and available. If you have been battling and love's just not been your thing, man, there's been a little haterade and you've been sipping it and, and selling it and sharing it. And, or maybe, maybe light, maybe what you've been seeing with your eyes, it, it just is, you see darkness, you see weary, you see like, I'm never gonna make it, I'm not gonna happen. I don't see how this is gonna work out. It's fear involved. Complete darkness, I can't see. Or maybe the life that Jesus has for you. Maybe you had not been experiencing that. You haven't been able to get it so you can give it. This morning, I'm going to open the altar just for anybody that would like to, to come and have a moment with the Lord. And they're going to sing. And I want us to do this. And then we're going to pray. And we'll go make a difference in this, in this town.